Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life where you can come as you are and be transformed by the Word of God. My name is Pastor Marquise, and we are a non-denominational church led by the living and active Word of God in the heart of Seattle, Washington, by Pastors Harold and Annis Faye Franklin. Whether this is your first time, second time, be sure to subscribe and share this with those that need it. Now join me and be ready to live and learn from the Word of God. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm just excited to be here. It's the first time I get to preach at the new building. So we're getting used to everything over here. But I'm just excited about what God is doing. I know you guys are excited as well. I see it all over your faces. Amen. Amen. But I'm talking about I'm continuing on who does God want me to be. Thank you very much. Uh, this is part three of the recording. I actually didn't get the first part recorded. So we're just going to say this is part three. But who does God want me to be is so important um, for us as believers to know. Amen. Um, I know you guys deal with a counseling center. And a lot of times what you deal with is people that do not know their identity yet. And I was talking to all the kids at this uh, youth empowerment uh, conference that they had at Rainer Beach. And the first thing I would ask them, and I do this on purpose, is who do you want to be? Who are you going to be? Have you found out what you want to do yet? And a lot of them, seniors in high school, they still can't answer that question. And if I put it in front of y'all, some of y'all still might not answer, right? (laughs) But once we find out our identity, um, I was telling the young lady that was sitting next to us, I said, once you found that out, it makes life so much easier because now you have an aiming point that you're trying to hit. If you go and play basketball and there's no clear understanding of where the goal is, you're just dribbling the ball. <laughs> you got 24 seconds to shoot it, and you don't know what court to shoot it in. So it's important for us to know what our goal is. Amen? I've been talking about some of the things I talked about in knowing who God is. Number one is we have, or knowing who God wants us to be, we have to begin to walk with God. I shared the story of Enoch, how he walked with God, and God was just like, man, I'm so excited about Enoch. Enoch, man, you've been walking with me so close. Come on up with me. Like, that was the relationship that he had. Adam and Eve had a walking with God. Remember when he, they got caught in sin, they knew God was walking in the garden. And they said God was walking like he normally did in the garden, and they were hiding. And he's like, yo, where are you guys at? They, be, they started walking with God, but then they ended up stopped walking with God. So walking with God is important on who God wants us to be. Um, let's see, some of the other things I talked about were just getting away to be with God as well. Jesus spent a lot of time getting away. If you guys watch how Jesus worked when he fed the 5,000, and then right after that he fed the 4,000, they said he went away. And they were like, Jesus, how are you going to get to the other side? He was like, I'll take care of it. So he gets up, he goes and prays, and this is where the story where Jesus starts walking on the water. See, people don't see how that happened. Jesus just wasn't just missing. He was praying. And he came back and was like, I'll meet you guys on the other side. So he's walking by them. And they're like, oh, that's Jesus. We all know the story. Jesus walking on the water. Peter gets out, takes a few steps, and then he starts looking at his circumstances. I mean, the waves, right? (laughs) And he gets caught up. Amen. But today, I got one more point that we want to talk about. We must put God first. For us to be who God wants us to be, we have to put him first. Matthew 6, says, seek first his kingdom, and not only his kingdom, but his righteousness, 
And then what does it say after that? And all these other things shall be added unto you. Amen. That's important for us, seeking God first, his kingdom and his righteousness. When you understand what his kingdom about is, his kingdom is about having a relationship with him. That's his kingdom. When we are in right standing with him, which is righteousness, we are at a place where he wants, he is where we want us, he, we are where he wants us to be. Amen. So we have to make sure we seek him first. And I'm going to go to Revelations chapter 2, 1 through 7. And when you got it, you can say amen. Revelation, a lot of people get, when they say Revelation, they think he's going to get deep. I'm just going to read the scripture and we're going we gonna to just, uh, just say what it's saying real quick. It says the loveless church. Somebody say the loveless church. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7 says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say, He who holds the seven stands in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have, t- uh, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. So what do we see here? We see people that are diligent in breaking other people down, first of all, right? It said, you, you know who the liars are, and, and it's so crazy because today we got everybody that's trying to be a, uh, the, the prophet, not only the prophet, but they're trying to say the prophets are false, right? When you look at this scripture, it says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and it says, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. So what does that say? They know the scriptures. They know how to break it down, right? They know them. They know the scriptures. They're breaking it down. It says, your labor, your patient. So they're doing a good job right here, right? It is not our job to let false ministers just preach the gospel. Now, I will tell you this. It's not our job to just be uh, looking for false people all the time. Amen? Because if you're looking for fault, you're always going to find fault. But let's see what happens. It says, and you have persevered and have patience. They have a lot of patience because it said it twice. And have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Like, if you stopped there, you would be like, man, this church has it all together. Amen? They've persevered. Some of us have persevered a long time. We've been patient again and have labored for my name's sake. That means they're doing the work of God. And they haven't become weary. Some people have, the Bible says, do not grow weary in doing well, for in due season you will reap a benefit. Amen? Sometimes these people are not growing weary, though. They're staying strong. But it says, nevertheless, somebody say, nevertheless. Nevertheless. I have against this, I have against, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Somebody say, your first love. What is our first love? Our first love is the responsibility of having that relationship with God. They were so caught up in works. In doing the work of God, and I preached this when I was young, I said, you can get so caught up in doing things for God that you miss what God wants you to do, right? Sometimes, let's say if Brother Willie, I was with him one day, and he's like, okay, Marquise, I need you to do this. And I'm like, man, but I did this for you. This is, how about this? Hey, I'm going to go do this over here. Can we get this together? And he's like, man, I asked you to just take the garbage out. And you're doing all these other things, and they might be good things, but God wants you to do specific things. 
His word is our instruction to tell us what specific things we should be doing. And here they did all the work of God, but they didn't have the relationship with God. Now, see, this is a, it's interesting because nobody wants to be in that picture that, hey, we did all this work and now we're shocked that we didn't have the relationship with God. God is always warning his people, okay, spend time with us. Sometimes we get caught up in life and the things of life and then we got to say, hey, I need to get to a place where I can spend time with God. Why? So that I know exactly where I'm going. There's a lot, there's plenty of times when I'm praying, I'm asking, okay, God, what do you want me to do right now? I'm here at this point in my life, God, what's next? And sometimes he'll give you a scripture. Just continue. Keep on going. Other times he's going to say, I just want you to spend a little more time with me. Just pray. Build this relationship with God. When we see Jesus as he is our prototype, the thing that we model this relationship after, Jesus was always, like I said earlier, getting away to be with God. Amen? So, It says, you have left your first love. Verse 5 says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. The first works. Get it right. Get the stuff in order right first. Sometimes people get saved. They think they've graduated to uh, a, a new level of faith that they forget what they've already done. And they oh, that that's not important. That's just for them cats that just get saved, right? But the Bible says constantly that Paul said, live up to what you've already obtained, right? When he said that, he was saying, don't forget all those things that you did at first. The scripture is saying the same thing. Don't forget the first things that that got you started. Because remember, when we first got saved, and I've been saved for so long, I, I got saved so many times. I was watching TBN every night. At night, they were saying the sinner's prayer. I got born again every night, right? That's because my parents had that on. And I was like, I'm not going to hell. But when I realized it was a relationship with God, I began to pray. I remember the first time Mother Mullen, she said, one day I was, she just spoke over my life and she said, God's going to speak to you, son. And this lady was like 70 at that time, but now she's, and she's a powerful woman of God. So we look up to our elders, amen. amen. But she said, God is going to speak to you one night. So that night I went home, I was like, yes, I've been waiting for God to speak to me. And I didn't know how to hear his voice, right? So that night I went and prayed on my bed and sat still for about 15 minutes, didn't hear nothing. And I was like, okay, God, <laughs> well, We'll try this again tomorrow, Lord. Like, and, and I was like, okay, I don't, I'm not understanding why this ain't working. So I did it again several times. I got back to church and Pastor Gail Mullen, she said something that rocked my world that I will never forget. She said, God is always speaking, but are you listening? Now, when, when she said that, that was like a revelation. It, I don't know if about you if you ever heard a word, and it just was like, wow. I, so when I went home that night, I heard the voice of God. Why? Because he was already speaking, but I was listening with the wrong ears. Right? Sometimes we listen with these ears, and you might not hear God with those ears unless, it's, unless you're really in trouble. Right? <laughs> unless God had to send a donkey or something to speak to you. Your dog just barking, repent, you know, like <laughs> when that happens, you're in trouble, man. You better listen. Amen. 
But it says, remember, repent and do the first works. I'm in verse 5. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstands from from its place unless you repent. Now, a lot of times people refer to the lampstands as the Holy Spirit, right? It's interesting because some people don't believe that the Holy Spirit can be removed. But if you keep on walking outside of what God wants you to do, you, you're doing your own thing now. The Spirit of God, it gets harder and harder to hear the Spirit when you're walking in your flesh. Because that's really what you're doing. You, it's like um, anybody ever play sports? At the end of the game, when somebody's just scoring, it doesn't really matter no more. Right. They just like, yo, I'm just I'm trying to let's say if they got 30 points and they're trying to get to 40 and they're down by 30 points. It's like it does no good. It looks good on the stats and they just want to look good at that point. But that's kind of what happens when you're doing things for God. You just I'm just trying to punch this clock. Right. Because when we go to work, some of us, we go to work and we just like, man, I'm here to just put in the hours. I do whatever I got to do so it looks good. I'll send them the information that I did. Oh, this is what I did. I actually had to do that in my class project. All we had to do was say what we did. So some days we would just be sitting there, and that was part of the project. We just said, hey, we sat here for an hour, and we just watched this thing. So that was part of the the way we got, uh, I guess, your grade for that class. But that's how some of us are with God. Um, God, I'm just clocking in these hours. Uh, man, what, is, what have you done for God? Man, well, I can go look at these papers, right? That's kind of how we are. But God, he, he, he doesn't want that. He don't want paperwork. You, when you get to heaven, you ain't going to have a resume and be like, yo, God, look, this is what I did. He doesn't care about that. Because if you're trying to introduce yourself, which is really what a resume is doing, God's like, I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Amen. So it says, unless you repent, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, I, I, I didn't get, I didn't dig into the deeds of the Nicolaitans, but a lot of times that was wickedness, obviously, right? Because he said he hated this as well. So God still sees good in them, but he's like, okay, you got some good. And some of us, we see good in people, Right. We walking by people, hey, man, there's some good qualities about you, but you still need to repent. You need to get your life right with God. Those good things, they will multiply when you get your life right with God. Amen? And then it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It says, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Amen? Interesting thing about that, that church, when I look on my notes, it was called the dead church. Now, they did a lot of good works, but they were the dead church. Um, a lot of the, I don't know who just said this the other day, but it was uh, the concert last week. C's was saying, he said, the young people today, they don't want, they know when you're fake and they know when you're real. They're not going to waste time just going to church. If they see you that you ain't really living it, they're out the door. They're, so really what they're doing is they're searching for somebody that is real. So it is our job as believers to be real, to be relevant and to be real. That doesn't, relevant doesn't mean you change your belief system. You know what I'm saying? It might just be the way, way that you approach that belief system with them. Amen? 
but we have to be real and relevant. I'm going to talk about who does God want the church to be now. Somebody say, who does God want the church to be? I'm going to go to my first scripture. First of all, uh, even before I go there, and we're going to go to James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. A lot of times people say Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. That's true, but there is true religion. Amen? And we're going to go talk about it. It says in James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, and this will help us as a church know who God who know who God, who will help us know what God wants us to be. Amen. <laughs> I keep getting tied up. See, that's what happens when you're out all day. Can you open this water for me, babe? Hallelujah. James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Hallelujah. All right, here it goes. It says, if anyone... If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one, one's religion is useless, okay? And then it says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their troubles and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, this is the religion that God wants, in this scripture, it gives a religion that God doesn't want and the one that he does want, right? And I like how the Bible is so self-explanatory when you actually read it. It says, so the person that can't control his tongue, he deceives himself, and that's not what God wants. So sometimes I even learned it's, it's best to be quiet, especially when your wife says something you don't want. It's best to be quiet. <laughs> right, Mr. Willie? <laughs> Sometimes it's best to hold tongue. As a matter of fact, the Bible says a wise person can hold their tongue. In Proverbs, it talks about uh, a foolish person may seem wise until they open their mouth. Right? It seems like, oh, yeah, that's a smart person. Then they say something. It was like, you so dumb. Right? It's, it's like, whoa. But then it says, pure and undefiled religion before God. Is somebody that visit orphans and widows in their trouble. So that, that is saying that is somebody that is helping somebody in their time of need. I don't think orphans and widows are the only ones that have trouble, right? But we see this. This is what pleases God. This is what the church has to remember. Our job is not to just come here to have a service. Our job is to help those who are in trouble. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes... You have to be wise in helping people in trouble because all of a sudden in this world, everybody's in trouble. I got trouble today. What's your trouble? I don't know. Uh, I need a dollar, right? I, matter of fact, today I was in Safeway down the street, and a brother, I think he, he might have been drinking, and I was in the deli line, and he was like, man, hey, bro, I'll sell you this, this EBT card, man. What, what do you need? And I was like, ah, man, I'm good. He's like, but you're trying to get some food, right? But before that, he asked me for a quarter, and I had a quarter. I was like, here you go, bro. I ain't tripping about a quarter. But he kept asking me for something. And I was like, nah, bro, I'm not, I don't, because actually it's illegal to sell your EBT card money, right? So I was like, nah, man, I don't need that. 
And, and then I had to tell him, I just, I don't even have cash right now. <laughs> so he'll move a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes when somebody says trouble, you have to know the trouble that they're in. That's why the Bible defined the trouble with orphans and widows. You can see their trouble right there because obviously this lady's husband has just died. Or obviously the orphans, they don't have parents. It is our job to help people when we can see the need. And then it says also to keep oneself unspotted from the world. What does that mean? Come on, somebody help me out. Live sin free. Anybody else? Somebody, to be spotted in the world means the world is all over you, right? Anybody have a nice shirt that you never want to get spotted? But if, if I come to, one, to you one day and I'm like, hey, man, let's get that nice shirt and just throw some spots all over it. Well, this is what the world does every time they see you. The world is trying to spot you with spots, stain. You're trying to stain your mind. This is why it's important for us to watch the things we watch. Watch the things that we listen to. The Bible also says, um, do not be wise in the things of the world. Amen? A lot of us, we know everything that goes on in the world, but when it comes to knowing our Bible, we have no clue of what's going on in the Bible. So what does it mean? David killed this guy and he cut his head off? Why did he do that? Right? That's, that's what some questions are. But it's because he came against his God. David knew, hey, man, this dude is not just trying to war against us. He's warring against my God. And since he said something about my God, I got to go take him out. That was David's mindset. Amen. So we have to make sure we keep ourselves unspotted from the cares and the things of this world. Amen. Next, let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 47. We're talking about who does God want the church to be? Acts 2 is always a powerful scripture because this is really the beginning of the church is after they received the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says after the spirit comes, then they received power. Amen. And they were able to go. Matter of fact, if you look at the disciples, a lot of times God did not send them unless he empowered them with the Holy Spirit. But let's look at it. It says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. This is like one of the first church services. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000, somebody say 3,000. 3, Man, this is, this is powerful. They, they had church service. 3,000 people got saved. Amen. And they were added to them. Keep it going. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Now, see that continually being in the teaching of the apostles. And obviously, they didn't have the scriptures like we had them today. So the apostles were speaking the word of God to them. Amen? Because they were walking with God. And they had to walk in that constantly. If you're part of the church, it is important to constantly be diving into what the word of God says. Amen? Also, it's important to fellowship with the believers. I've been talking with a lot of people lately, and it's so crazy. A lot of people think they don't have to be put in one church. They can go wherever they want. 
God can move through them. And I mean, unless they're a missionary and even missionaries, they still have to have a church that is gracing them and covering them. And what is beginning to happen is people get saved and they're not being disciples. So they believe they could do things their own way. But true discipleship and really who God wants us to church to be is to train people up so it can continue to flourish. Right. And it's the same with parenting. When you parent your children, you don't let your kids figure out everything on their own. My kids is four and uh, six and one. I don't just say, hey, okay, figure out how you're going to cook dinner today. Right? Figure it out. But that's what happens when we don't train them up. It's my job to train my kids up. So there's some, t- some days they're going to get whoopings. Some days they're not. It's going to be a lesson. They might have done something wrong, and I'm going to say, okay, today you're going to have grace. Why? Because God gave me grace. But if you do that again, uh, my grace is going to run out. That's what I tell them. Right? But everything is about training. And the the disciples or the apostles were training them. And then it said this. It says, then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. This is still part of what God wants us to do. Signs and wonders. There's nothing great, there's no greater witness sometimes when you can actually touch somebody's life with the power of God. I have stories, and a lot of times it's interesting because a lot of these stories happen outside the church. So when we are being the church, not the building, we are being the church, and we are spreading the gospel and praying over people on the corners and the streets, when they see that and they feel an impact from God, it's going to change their life. I remember one guy, he was in a wheelchair at the Puyallup Affair, and we had a booth, and we would just, uh, we would be there every day, and he would go in and get his, his drink every day, right? And one day I told my brother Che, I said, man, man, I just believe that God's going to get him out that wheelchair, man. And next time we see him, we're going to pray. And me and Che was like, okay, cool. So he came by, right? Just driving, he had a little uh, a motor wheelchair or whatever. I don't know what they call it, but he came by, and then I just started talking to him because I was like, man, we're going to pray. So we started praying for him, and he's just like, in the middle of the prayer, he's like, oh, he just starts yelling, and I'm like, whoa, I don't know what's going to happen. Is he going to get out of this chair? I was like, man, because, I, man, I'm praying, and I'm expecting something to happen. And he's just like, my arms. He just, <laughs> he starts yelling, and he's just like, wow. Then check this out. He didn't get out the wheelchair unfortunately, because we got to pray again for him. But this is what he did. He was like, his arms from his hair were sticking straight up. He felt the power of God, right? He went into the store, the corner store, and told everybody, man, these guys prayed for me. I felt the power of God. Look, my my hands, my arms, hair is still standing up straight, right? And I'm like, wow. So people in the store start coming and asking for prayer, the people that owned the store, they were Hindus. Before we left, one of the young girls was like, I want prayer from you guys because I know your prayer works. And when she said that, I was blown away because we've been praying for these people. But it takes us as the church stepping out and taking God outside of this building. Amen. Because this is what they did. 
Signs and wonders. I believe signs and wonders will follow those who are doing the work of God. It's still the same. God is not a God that has changed. God, God didn't change his name. He didn't change his birth date. Amen. He didn't change his power. He didn't say, ah, that was for the old people. That was for uh, in, in, uh, the time when they didn't have a year. It was for zero AD, right? He didn't say it was, that wasn't the most powerful date. That was just when God rose up. And that was the beginning because Jesus said, greater works will those who follow me do. Yeah. Amen. Let's go to the next scripture, Mike. Uh, it says, now all who believed were together. Now, see, this is a problem with the church. A lot of us are not together. We, we're trying to figure, oh, man, look, there got to be another way to do this thing, right? If, if it ain't one way, it's the other way. No, God has one way. Now, now, this is not like my dad was talking about vision. This is not saying that everybody has, has to get rid of the vision that God has given them in their lives. I don't want to say that. This is, not the, the, this is talking about being together. See, we could be together. Anybody seen a, a, a I always talk about sports because I love sports. But a basketball team, they may have different visions for their life, but when they're on the court together, if they want to win, like the Spurs are doing right now, they are together, right? They put away everything else that doesn't have to do anything with that. And it says not only were they together, and the Bible says, and had all things in common. This is important for us because if we want to see a move from God, this is what we have to do. We have to band together and have all things in common. Let's go to the next scripture, Brother Michael. Uh, and it says, and sold their possessions and goods. Now, man, if I start preaching on that, some people about to leave. Right? And divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, let's talk about this, though. A lot of them sold what they had so that the church could be stronger. So that this was the time where the church was beginning to grow. Now, we could talk about tithes and offerings, and this is similar to what that is. It says... Now, I'm not telling you to go sell your house and just live. I don't know where you're going to live because uh, we don't have just places just out there right now. But these people probably built a tent, you know what I'm saying, or built a quick house and was like, all right, we'll just all live here. I don't know what the situation was. But it says, and they divided among themselves as anyone had need. They met the needs of their congregation. Amen. They met the needs. And then it says, so continuing daily, somebody say daily. daily. Continuing daily. They had church every day. Now, that's, sometimes that might be a lot, right? Because Saturday and Sunday for some people is a lot. <laughs> but it says, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They ate together. They fellowship together. And the last verse says, praising God and having, somebody say favor. favor. Now, when you got favor, you got it going on. Amen. Favor with, the, with all people. I, and I just got to share this. When we went to Tacoma today, this lady never met me before, and she, she allowed me to do whatever I wanted to do. Right? Um, I called her and she was like, okay, cool. Da, 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 da. And she was like, and we were just talking on the phone and I was just telling her, hey, man, I'm a man of God. Da, 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 da. And, you know, I just let her know who I am. And she was like, okay, cool. You can run the whole thing. And she was like, I'm trusting you, though, man. Don't mess it up. Right. So when she gets there, 
Like, I never met the lady before, but she's like, oh, that's him, because I sent her the picture of our bio. And she, I had favor with her and was able to do, utilize what we were able to do to share the gospel in that, in that arena. Amen? So favor is a powerful thing. We can have, and we need to pray for favor with even people in the world so they call us and ask us to do something where we could do what we do. Right? I, there was a lady that I prayed for who had gotten an accident and she got healed. I prayed, I sent a text prayer. And it's, you know, it's crazy. You wouldn't think God sent me, but he works through text prayers. So it's okay to text somebody and pray at the same time because they got to read it. Amen. So anyway, she got healed. She calls me and is like, man, you prayed for me and I got healed. And this is one of the days I would just randomly send everybody in my phone, hey, you got any prayer requests? I, so she was like, oh, you healed me. And she was a owner of a club. And she was like, I want you to come to our club. And I was like, listen, lady, I, first of all, I don't do clubs. I don't do that. Right. So she's like, um, well, when you come, it'll be gospel night. And I'm like, in the club? Okay. Well, that sounds a little bit better. Right. So we get there and she allowed us to do praise and worship, music, altar call and everything. Amen. In the club, we were praying for people. And we got out of there after that because <laughs> it gets crazy, right? But we had favor with her. She spoke up in front of everybody and said, this man prayed for me and I got healed in the club. So we see what favor does. Yes. Favor will put you, and, and the Bible talks about favor with God and favor with man. It says praising God and having favor with man right there. It says with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Somebody say praise God. Because that's what we're after. We are after God adding to this fold, and not only to our fold, but to the church in general. I'm not a guy. My dad is not a guy. This ministry, we are not people who are worried just about this church. We are worried about the body of Christ. Just because we are in this building, we're not the only church that God is using. Sometimes people get the super church uh, identity. Like, oh, we are the ones that God has chosen. We are the people. And da, 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 da. No, God has a body. Even Elijah, the powerful prophet, he kind of thought that for a second. And God had to let him know, hey, man, come on. Look, you, th you think you're the only one? Hey, look, man, go to this cave right here. I got a whole crew of people that ain't bowed down that are serious about following me. But God wants us as a church to be focused on the kingdom. And this is what my dad, as he's resharing the vision, when we started, he said, hey, this is not about our church. This is about the kingdom of God. If somebody gets saved in Tacoma, I'm not going to go drive, pick them up just to come to church. There's another church in Tacoma. I got friends in Tacoma. Hey, man, this man got saved. Can he go to your church? Or you could do that and you can get burnt out and don't and wonder why I'm so burnt out because you haven't realized who God who else God has placed in your life. Amen. We are not super Christians. My mom said something when she preached and, and uh, she's probably going to start preaching a little more. But <laughs> she said in the Old Testament, there were a lot of Christians who were on their own. They had to do things on their own. But when Jesus came because they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't on everybody. 
It was on the leaders, right? Now, when Jesus came, so it was almost like they had a lone ranger. And sometimes they might have had Tonto, you know, with them. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit fell on all of us. And now it's not a one person running the show because I'm the only one that got the Holy Spirit type of deal. It is no, we are now a body. And now we need to make sure the Holy Spirit that is in you is in confirmation with the Holy Spirit that is in all of us. Amen. So it's no longer a, I'm the guy, I'm the super Christian. It's, oh, hey, man, I got a super team. Amen. It's a whole team of supers, like it said in Incredibles. Amen. Let's see. Man, I got 10 more minutes. We're going to go to, are you edifying believers or not? This is important in knowing who God wants us to be. Are you edifying believers? Now, see, a lot of people, if they're just going to church or they're just doing their own thing, they may not be edifying believers. What does edifying believers look like? Um, let's go to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And uh, I'm going to read this. I got some more scriptures on edifying believers, and we'll catch up on this next time. But let's go ahead there. We're talking about who God wants the church to be, and it says, and he himself gave some, and we all know the scriptures, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Really, that explains the jobs of the church, right? This, this, and it says, and those are kind of the leaders of the church when you look at it, because it says the next verse in verse 12, you had it, for the equipping, somebody say equipping. Come on, everybody's better say equipping. Everybody better say equipping or I'm, a, so I'm just playing. <laughs> for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So those fivefold ministers are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And it says not only for that, but for edifying or for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, if I'm Joe Blow over here and I think I'm a Christian, but I never edify another believer, I am not doing what God wants me to do. Amen? Because Joe Blow is blowing off the other people saying, hey, I could do this by myself. Now, sometimes when I play basketball, I might play with my brother, Michael, and he wasn't the greatest basketball player, right? So sometimes I was like, man, I'm about to just do this by myself. I'm going to score by myself, and I can score. I can get it, and, and it, but you can't do everything by yourself. I used to play one on three. I used to play the kids in my neighborhood. I was always the oldest, and I would always lose, but it would always be close, right? But I used to do it because I was like, I could beat these guys. I could beat all three of them at the same time. And what happened was one would have the ball way over here, and I can't stick him and the other two at the same time, right? Because I'm not three. I'm not the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I don't got that kind of power, right? I couldn't stick all three of them. So there was, there was an opportunity for them since they, and only when they worked together. See, if they didn't work together, I could beat them. If I got him thinking, oh, man, you can't beat me, and he's trying to do it by himself, then I would beat them. But if they got together, 
they couldn't be beat. And when we as the body of Christ get together, we cannot be beaten. Amen. Uh, it says, till we all came to the unity. This is what I just talked about. Somebody say unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. See, this is what happens with the church. Somebody comes with a brand new revelation. And it's not from God. So children, somebody say children, children. get tossed to and fro. And it says, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the what? Trickery of man. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. This is what happens because they're not listening to the fivefold ministers who are there to instruct how the ministry should be run and equip them and edify them. Since they don't listen to that, they begin to listen to what they want to hear. The Bible says in, in, in Timothy, it talks about in the last days, people will don't have itchy ears to hear what they want to hear. Right. If you if if I, if if you went to my church or this church or somebody else's church and they preach something that you didn't like, you're going to walk out of there and you're not coming back. That's what happens in today's generation. Let's read the last couple of scriptures on that. And it says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So what are we seeing here? The way to defeat empty and vain teaching, we have to be together. Anybody know somebody that, that swear up and down, hey, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to come to church. They don't come to church. Then they start trying to share with you the words that somebody shared with them, and it's all off. It's like, man, man, pastor was just preaching about that. Don't listen to those kind of people. But they try to justify it, right? They're trying to justify it because it sounded good. It was a wind of doctrine. A lot of us know what wind, when wind blows... It, you feel the wind, and some people go each and every way with the wind. Every time somebody speaks, oh, wow, that was powerful. No, it wasn't. Like every time you go to church, just because somebody is preaching, uh, and, and, and I'm going to be careful when I say this because I, I don't want to discredit any ministers, but everybody that's saying that they're preaching or not preaching. I've been to church services, and people were like, amen, amen. And the only thing he said was God's going to help them pay their bills. And I'm like, okay, we already knew that. But there's more than God's going to pay our bills, amen? And sometimes we got to make sure that we are not praying, and that's with an E, not the prayer. We're not praying on the issues of life that people have, amen? Because if I go to most black churches and I say, who needs help paying the bills? Unfortunately, <laughs> it's going to be like, 80% of their hands up in the air, right? And if I prophesy and say, I'm going to pray this prayer over you and God's going to help you pay your bills, but if I don't teach you how to 
uh, save money, and if I don't teach you how to get in a better position to better yourself, you're going to be back in the same spot next time I come and do a, a revival meeting, right? Because you weren't trained. So it's important for us to train up and edify the body. I'm going to talk about edifying again next time I preach, which is next Saturday, I believe. Um, so yeah, we'll figure that out. But let us stand. Let us make sure that we are edifying others as we, as we leave. Amen? It's all right. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, dear God, for everybody under the sound of our voice, dear God. We definitely desire to be the church, dear God, that you are going to use. And dear God, not only the church that you use, dear God, that the church that lives are being changed inside of, oh God. That people would come and say, man, I felt the power of God. I felt inspired. I felt empowered. And I want to come back and fellowship. Dear God, we pray against the things that are even keeping some from trying to come fellowship right now, dear God. We pray, dear God, that even the people in the neighborhood, the mindsets, the trickery of the enemy, the craftiness of men that has been placed over them will be broken in the mighty name of Jesus, dear God, so that they can hear sound doctrine, dear God, and move forth as the body of Christ is supposed to do, dear God. I thank you, dear God, for this time, for this building, and for this service, and for everything that you are getting ready to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say amen. We appreciate you listening to today's message. If you would like to hear this message and others in its entirety, visit our website, newcreationwa.org. We have services on Saturday nights, and we would love for you to come out and join us at the Emerald City Bible Fellowship Building located at 7728 Rainer Avenue South, Seattle, Washington, 98118. For questions or comments, call us at 425-686-8197. You can be made new in Christ. God bless.